Plan and welcome to Wild Pitch Podcast episode 29. Take As three. Al- <laughs> Take three. <laughs> As always, I'm joined by my co host, the executive producer, the best in the business. He's still the best in the business. He is the commissioner. He is the Mr. T of fantasy baseball. He pities the fools of this league. He is the kid for the win, the great Matt Wentz. How, what's up, buddy? I do pity the fools. I'm doing well. Uh, thank you very much, Domino. Great intro. As always, um, you are the best in the business for, for those, uh, hands down, hands down the best in the business for those. Uh, I had a great weekend, you know, holiday weekend. Um, I blew off some fireworks that were like nine years old. Uh, I drank a bunch of old Milwaukee and a bunch of bourbon, bunch, a bunch of bourbon. And, uh, it was a good time. So thanks a lot. How are you? I'm good. Sounds like a great weekend in Bass Lake as always. So, uh, Windy and cold. We never really went in the water, but it was a good weekend. It's better than being working, that's for sure. So I'm glad you're doing well, and it's well-deserved for you, for sure. Our guest tonight is the color man of Ball Guy Talking Football. He, I'm pointing in the general direction of Palantine. He is the beer guy. He is the, the, the beer snob himself. He is Dave. What's up, Dave? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. doing. I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to uh, maybe getting through a whole podcast, um, and hopefully it'll be published once we're done with it. Let's hope so. Our hopes too. Mm-hmm. All right, our mm-hmm. uh, podcast tonight will be our double play news. Dave's guest topic. We will discuss uh, review week six, and then our best previews for next week's week seven playoffs. But before we get to that, Maddie, we have any Google Doc updates? Again, um, it's last updated was about a week ago. Um, I got up through nine one, so I think seventeen um, transactions that I have to update on it. I will do that. I will hopefully uh, have it updated, you know, within tonight or tomorrow. And then at the end of the week, I'm gonna uh, update it so everything everyone's ready to go into the playoffs. So you know, we're all squared away for that. Thank you very much, everyone, for your support and your um, kind words. Uh, um, every time I do this, I appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. We appreciate, uh, again, all that you do. All right, we'll get into our double play news. You'll lead us off with your stack cast, sleepers for the playoffs, or what you can add for the playoffs. Yeah, um, I'm, you know, hopefully the third time is the charm when, I, when we start recording this. But uh, the thing that I've seen the last couple of days is, uh, you know, who can you add for the playoff run? Uh, in baseball. And I was like, all right, you know, I, I've seen a couple of players that I like out there and, you know, I'm like, well, what do these players offer or how can I look at these players? And I typically just look at who they're playing. And then I kind of like, okay, right, they're playing so-and-so for this couple of days and then this matchup and this matchup. But if I was like, you know, I was thinking almost to like when we did football and I'm like, what if you just took away who they're playing and all that nonsense and you looked at just their numbers and the athletic actually had something on here called, you know, stack cast sleepers, you know, for the, you know, hot fantasy run, the playoff run. And I'm like, well, that's a good way to look at, look at what they've done so far, you know, in StatCast, you know, use your, you know, uh, X, uh, bacon as Dave, you know, likes to make fun of me for, and all the other crazy stats, uh, sausage, all the crazy other stats out there. Um, and then, you know, put, put the stats, put it together however you want it. And, uh, you know, I've been coming up with a couple of things that I like, and I've been looking at just like guys who've been getting on base, like, you know, things that matter in StatCast for those type of things. And, 
you know, we really ever do this, just go through it and, and, and actually tell players uh, that, you know, we like, but um, I thought, why not? It's a topic of mine that I wanted to talk about. So the guys I've been looking at um, were Brandon Nimmo from the uh, Mets. Uh, he's been leading off every game, you know, for them, except for a couple, two games that uh, I don't know why he didn't play those two games. I guess I could probably look at that more, but uh, he's, he's been doing pretty well. Um, you know, nothing crazy. I think in the last 15 or 14 days, I think he's probably, you know, a top hundred player, but uh, he's been, he's been leading off. He's been doing pretty well getting uh, runs. And that's one I think I was looking at. Um, so again, maybe not just looking at stack cast, but looking at the categories uh, that these players are getting and maybe something you can use. And then uh, Ryan Mill Tapia was another guy. I mean, from September 1st through September 6th, he got a run in every game. Plus he got a couple other things, but that's, uh, five, one, two, three, four, five runs. I mean, man, I wish I would have had that when I was playing Sean. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, and then another guy that uh, uh, Memo even brought up, uh, Tyler Naquin, man. And that dude was on fire ever since he got traded. I mean, ever since he got traded, uh, one, two, three, six. I think he's had six runs, uh, one, two, three, four home runs, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, no, 14 RBIs. And he's got an OBP in like the 360s. So he's batting six every day, um, you know, in Cleveland. So three guys I've been looking at and mainly because of where they're hitting in order and what stats they're producing versus what stats I need. So I thought it was interesting. And I know a lot of people, you know, that – well, not a lot of people, but, I mean, the people that have money and that are looking for a player to add during the stretch run – you know, I thought it was an, you know, interesting way of looking at it instead of just maybe like with the old way of how I've looked at it before. Just who are you playing, and you know, what does that matchup look like? That's all. I think it's interesting, but like you said, you know, uh, majority of the people in it right now, other than you and Scotty, have low on money, or most of us are either close to five or less dollars. So, you know, for me, it's been war nutrition just trying to make sure and get people in my lineup offensively in that so i wish i was able to start stashing a few more things but i i can't i'm not in that position the aisle bug has definitely got me for sure and then dave's in a different situation for sure he's been loading up guys for the the future for sure definitely yeah it's interesting and and the thing that i would say is I think, you know, when you're getting into the playoffs, it's been a while for me, but I, I do remember it, um, is that, you know, I think pitching becomes more of the streaming option than the outfielders and stuff like that. Because I feel like most people's positions and benches are set and they're a little afraid to get rid of somebody, you know, but they want to load up on the starts. They want to maybe grab a save or two here or there. So I think that's where it becomes a, uh, interesting psychological ba- battle. And I think last year was the first time that you could do some streaming like that. So, you know, I wasn't in it last year, but I think you can speak to it, Maddie. is I don't think you were really thinking too much on position players last year in the streaming battle. You were probably thinking more pitching, right? Yeah, and that, exactly what you said, Dave. I mean, 100%, it goes to exactly what I was saying, too, is like I was looking at stats. All right? What I'm talking about now is like looking at that stats that I need. And last year I wasn't. I was literally looking at just pitching, and I, I almost didn't even think of any of the stats or how they were, you know, in pitching or in hitting. And that, 
just looked at, oh, I, I want a, a guy who's going to pitch for me, and, you know, I want to see who he's going to pitch against, and, and I'll pick him up. And I don't know. I have no idea this would have worked, but if I would have looked at it completely differently and said, all right, Scotty's got so-and-so many pitchers. I have so this many pitchers. What if I just said forget the strikes and the quality starts last year and maybe picked up three guys, you know, because I had four bucks or three dollars going into it. Um, at least the last week, and I would say, all right, I'll just try to get stats. Uh, what stats can I get? What stats can I acquire to beat Scott? And I think that would have been like whipping the ERA. Could I have gotten some middle relievers to do something like, you know, well for me in that aspect of it? And I don't know. I, maybe that would have helped me out. Maybe, you know, maybe it wouldn't have. But um, I, or maybe I could have looked at stolen bases in the beginning of it. Who can give me a stolen base? And you know, maybe I would have picked up Garrett Hansen again for the fifth time. <laughs> last year. Um, well, well, I think but, it's a, yeah. it's a tough thing to kind of figure out because, like, even like I wanted to beat PJ bad this week, and like I contemplated picking up an extra starter or two, but as I'm looking through the extra starters or two, I'm like, okay, maybe I can catch up on the strikeouts, but it could affect my WHIP and ERA, and it it paid off me not doing it because his last three pitchers of the week blew up his WHIP his whip, which got me where I needed to be and what I had to choose from wasn't really there. So it's a, it's a really interesting conundrum when you try to do it in our league, because I feel everybody is, is really fairly good about picking up who needs to be on a team. And so those leftovers, you really got to be careful with what you do. And, and I think you, even when we were playing, you streamed a couple pictures you picked up the guy from the A's, but I don't even think you played him. I think you set him. I did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I picked him up, and I did not play. And he actually had a good game, but yeah. I was <laughs> like, I can't believe you fucking picked him up, and I wanted you to play him. So that's where, like, playing this year and seeing how people have done a couple of the streaming things, PJ picked up a couple people on me. It's very interesting. It's not that easy to do, and it definitely has to be thought out so it's going to be an interesting component going through from now on in this league yeah and then starting next year you know just kind of thinking about that but starting next year the um the rules will be different it won't be um the same as it as you can just pick up as many players as you want anymore we will have that uh uh the cap what is it what do we vote on here i got it yeah, two? refresh my memory on that. Was it two yeah. per round or? Oh, in the playoffs, you mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you have a have a we have two max pickups, no carryover. So that means you can't, you know, like if I don't for the first round of the playoffs, if I have two and I don't use them, I can't have four for the next round. You have a max of two pickups each round. So that's it. So now you know. Now thinking of that, so someone like me and Scotty's team were like. You know what? What's the most you can want to carry over? Maybe eight dollars, ten dollars. Yeah, eight bucks. You know, you could carry. Yeah, you know, you can have more money for the. You know, it's going to carry over the season still. But I'm just saying, like, you don't need that much more money. But you know, I don't know. I guess having like, you know, like Scotty's got what eighteen dollars or somewhere in that range. You know, maybe yeah, you know, it still is going to be a good amount of money. But uh, so I don't remember that. Did that pass by? Like, was that a lot of people voted to pass that or? Uh, I can tell you exactly who voted on it. Uh, no, Scotty was a big component. No, Scotty was a big. He was a big component of it for it. So he wanted it. Yeah, which is interesting. because yeah. he picked up 
Right. I would have thought he would have picked up two more than two a week. But his thing was he didn't like that was how it, how he yeah. how he felt like he won it. He felt like yeah, it was fine, but he doesn't you know he didn't like the idea that that's what how it, you know it came down to it like. Yeah, because I appreciate it now after seeing it done and trying to think about doing Because, like, I'm out of it, but I still wanted to get those wins. Like, I picked up two get, like, I picked up three guys this week that I didn't have to pick up. I could have tanked and looked like Niz's team and, like, <laughs> then just puke. But I still, uh, I don't know. I wanted to get the wins. I was hoping if I could get a 10 0 sweep and get lucky. But then I looked at the standings. I'm like, no, I needed at least another week or so to to be able to get in it, but, uh, yeah, it looks like, uh, memo, Niz, Gus, me, Scott, and Dave all Mm -hmm. voted for it. One, two, three, four, five, six people. We all voted for it. Chris, PJ, Sean, or Ken were yellow. So we couldn't get a hold of them. And Max and Don were the only two that said no. Interesting. Actually, it's very interesting. Max and Don said no on a lot of things together. They probably knew that they were going to be injury ridden and uh, get lucky <laughs> in the playoffs and not have a lot of money left. So they little foresight on their part. If we're in it, that's a good thing. I wouldn't know about that. All right, all right. We'll move on to my uh, topic. Mine's not really like fantasy or that, but I found this article on MLB.com about the ten best shoulder patches, uh, like uh, according to the, what's his name? Where is it? One second here by uh, Michael Clare, and he, I'll go from number 10 to number 1. He went Number 10 was the Phillies. They have just their numerals on their shoulders, like the little patch. He had them oh. at number 10. Uh, number 9, he had the Rangers, and they have the, the Texas flag on their shoulder. And then he number 8, he has the Reds. It has the baseball with the guy with the big mustache and the old-fashioned baseball cap, which it I like it. nothing wrong with a big mustache. And then number seven, he had the Oakland Athletics. They have the elephant with the baseball bat in his trunk on top of the the baseball. And then number six, he had the pirate with the Jolly Roger logo on there. Uh, number five, he had the White Sox with the black diamond with the white, uh, white sock in it. Uh, number four, he had the Mets with the New York skyline with the Mets uh Name across the skyline. Uh, number three had the Brewers. I love theirs. Is the baseball on the sleeve and it looks like it's a baseball, but instead of the seams, they got two uh, um, barley, barley uh, or wheat, wheat yeah, that look like to make the the seam. So it looks like a baseball. I really like their logos. I love the old school M and the B. It looks like the glove. And then number two, he has the twins with the two friends uh, shaking hands in the outline of the. Minnesota State, and then number one, he has the Padres with the monk uh, swinging the bat. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, you know, I kind of forget about those logos, but um, it was like a last minute thing for me. But I thought it was kind of interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of like that you. Uh, I kind of like that you brought it up because it's kind of like secondary logos that you you don't really get to see. And I know it because, like, the Yankees have um, a secondary logo. Uh, When I grew up in upstate New York, that they would always put on their um, television shows or their broadcasts. And it was the baseball bat with the um, red, white, and blue top hat 
on top of the um, baseball bat. I forgot so, about that one. Yeah, but that's, they, yeah, that's a good one too. That is a good one. It's not a it's not a logo. They won't put it on the, the uniforms because you know it's got to be old and clean. But I always was like a big proponent. I'm glad you brought this up. I was always a big proponent of. I love that logo, and I wish they would do a hat with it or something like that, even if it's for spring training. Um, so it was really cool that you brought that article up because when you sent it, I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "Ah," but I, it was really neat seeing those logos. I'm a big proponent of the Minnesota one. Um, because that's the Twin Cities shaking hands over the state. You know, when we went to the the city and saw that, I really, you know, kind of looked at that logo, and that's when I really looked into it. And, of course, you know, the Brewer one with the beer is awesome. So um, the San Diego one, seeing that again, just, you know, it reminds me of the trips that I, that I have taken and stuff and seeing it a little bit more prominent when you go to that uh, area. So uh, it, it was a fun topic. I think you should send it out on the – the baseball touch chat because um, all of them are really cool logos. Yeah, yeah, Dave, I think you you hit on the head um, that this logo or the ones that you're talking about down on the show. These are the logos that you typically see like on the broadcast. Like these are the ones that like pop out like as like a uh, kind of a, like the filler before they go to like a break or something or or when they go in and out of like if they're talking like on like the. Uh, Comcast Sportsnet, you know, the two local people are talking and then they show this, like this White Sox logo, with the, the, you know, the stock, the stocking and then the diamond that kind of like pops up sometimes. And then they go yep. to like the game or like a replay. And I remember that Yankee one too. That was really good. Um, I was just going to say that out of these 10, my favorite is the Oakland athletics one. And I don't know how that's only a seven. Like, <laughs> I, I like, I like some of these, like the Mets one's pretty cool. Um, I am not like the Brewers one. I get it. It's cool, but I would switch that one for, with the A's. I think three and seven for sure. Um, I, I, I like the way you described the twin one, Dave, was this very like just poetic. It's It was great. Um, I understand it. I'm not saying it's the best. I don't know if it would have been number two for me. And, and you know, the Friars, I think it's cool, you know, as well. Um, I don't know what to say. I would typically put them in this order, but, you know, just I just wanted to say my favorite one, Oakland Athletics. I love that one. I think that one's just that one's just great, you know. And if you know the history behind it and all, that's even better. It's it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, totally cool. Well, and even it's like uh, you could do the like the Cubs. You know, you always see like the little cup, the uh, Cub Bear type of logo that floats around on some of their merchandise and stuff like that. It's just like it's it's kind of interesting to to realize. Wait a minute, you know, you always see the A's for the Athletics, but I've seen the the elephant and the the bat and i don't know that what's the history on that maddie what what's what's behind that the owner he bought himself a um white elephant mm -hmm. and it kind of it was the the fill it, it's kind of funny because out of this top 10 you actually have a team on here with the same logo so it uh back in 1900 i don't know 1902 1903 I want to say 1903, but maybe 1902. Uh, uh, that's when they had this logo. Um, and they, uh, the, yeah, the owner bought himself a, a white elephant, essentially. And he, you know, kind of, it's how, how, how it all started. And then, you know. Put, so, like, you want to use it as a marketing technique or something? Yeah. Okay. I, I want to say bought it to the thing. Um, so, in 1902, the Giants manager, John. McGraw said that Benjamin 
Shabby, the owner of the of them, then Philadelphia Athletics had bought himself a white elephant. So he's bringing the yeah, he wanted the Philadelphia Athletics opportunity. Part. Yeah, and he uh, uh, to leap frame and fortune when fortune together. Uh, This is great podcast. Well, yeah, I, I guess yeah. I, I thought you knew off the top of your head, so I, I, I just, I just knew he bought. He well, that's fine. He bought the elephant, and I know that the, the newspaper said something about it, and it kind of, kind of ran from there. Um, the white elephant design became a um, a rallying point for the young franchise in 1902. Oh, that's right. With the already beginning described as famous, less than three weeks after Michelle made his remarks. Oh, so he said something. Uh, what the hell the guy said well anyways so there's a little history behind it it's pretty cool right yeah yeah <laughs> i'll send uh, that out but it was, that. it was fun to look at and this one like they were when we were saying me was main yeah yeah all right dave we'll move into your guest topic uh it's all yours about uh selling, selling off, off. Yep. the art of selling off and tra- I mean, honestly, when I put it out there, I, I, I was just having fun with it. Um, and, it and it's funny. It, it made me think a little bit on how my philosophy is, is sort of changed. And, and it's, I hate to admit it, but it's, it's PJ that has given me a little bit of different feeling and thought process on what I'm trying to do with my team. Um, and, and what I mean by that is during my podcast for football, I've given PJ a lot of props for building teams from the land of misfit toys of older guys that we don't see a value in. And, you know, I think there's a combination of that, that nobody's really taken advantage of. I feel like we kind of value too much of the younger guys and we devalue too much of the older guys. So I'm hoping this year that I'll be able to, you know, get a little bit of both. Like if you look at Niz's team, he sold off super, super younger guys. And I mean, honestly, you know, if you look at his team and my team going into this season, uh, winter meetings, he's got a ton of work and I don't think anybody will think that he'll be ready for next year at this point. And that all will come down to the draft. So, right. And I don't mean that to be mean to Niz, but I think that's, important that if he wants to compete he can't keep going after younger players he's going to have to go after proven bets he's going to have to go after players that pj values and i feel like pj gets a lot of value because we're always looking for the next great thing um and that brings me back to like my selling off you know type of mentality i was working on a couple different trades Ken came to me with a trade that brought not only value for the future, but value right now. And I did that last year with Drew. Um, And with the Drew trade, uh, it it gave me some value right now. But then I went and took a lot of players that I don't think are ready or were ready. And I ended up selling off too much. I feel coming into this season going up, I have a lot, I have a lot of questions on, potential players but i have a lot more parts that are in place uh like the kyle tucker thing from last year i took kyle tucker maddie gave me a little shit i don't know if he remembers that he's like ah kyle tucker's not gonna be that great he's right now like the 20th ranked player in the league and he's looking really well what's that 
He's doing very well. He's doing really well. And I think he's got room to improve. Um, I think he, you know, will he be 20 all the time? No, but will he be a top 50 player? Yes. Biggio, you said he's the, the trade-in or throw-in, and we'll see how he does. He's doing better than Austin Meadows. So, again, I, I hope next year Biggio keeps doing what he's doing and, and grows, and Meadows, you know, brings himself up. So, you know, the art of trading is it, it's tough. Nobody wants to sell off. But just taking a bunch of AAA players I don't think is the way to go. Um, you know, that's why you got to kind of work that type of stuff out because if you take a bunch of AAA players, it's the same reason why PJ looks at them as like they're worthless, you know, to him, they're worthless. You know, he doesn't want them. He doesn't care about his AAA spots, but I think there's some middle ground there that hopefully, you know, I'll be able to, to bridge and be able to turn the, my team around, you know, championship team two years ago. Now, uh, hopefully I'll be in the running next year. So, I think there's a lot to say about young players. I think there's a lot to say about great value players. You know, PJ's had a lot of great places, but he's only placed first, um, you know, once in what was it, the last five years. It's a bunch of third place, bunch of fourth place finishes. I, I mean, I could have probably finished third or fourth place if I carried on, but I, I want to try to win. And I only won one, two myself. So I'm not saying he's right or wrong, but it's interesting when you look at it. There's a lot of different ways to build your teams. Yeah, there's, yeah, I, I think, you know, you're right in the way you said it, that whole philosophy, um, or, I mean, you're right in the way that you said that other people have different philosophies. And I would say that in the last two years, you've had a certain type of philosophy. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying I can pinpoint exactly what it is, but, you know, for the, the most part, I think I could generalize it and, you know, have a good conversation with you about what you did um, at the end of every season. And I agree wholeheartedly that PJ does have a certain type of philosophy. And, you know, again, you know, I'm not saying that I know exactly what it is, but I could, you know, again, generalize it and have, you know, a, a conversation with it um, about him that he doesn't really, you know, have a triple A slot or players um, of that type of, you know, elk. And he doesn't, I, I wouldn't say he doesn't care for them or he doesn't want them. I just don't think that he sees any value in them. Right, um, and, and, he, and, that word. Um, and he said that he doesn't see much value in a player that isn't going to help him now. So, yeah, you know, I, and I, I get I, that. Yeah, I, I will say this, though. Like, it's so funny. Like, like three, four years ago, maybe it was like even more than that, but at least three years ago or four years ago, I always looked at what I wanted. And then during the season, I was like, how come no one wants to trade me these players? And it's gotten to the point um, – where up until like last year, I just got so frustrated with it. And then I finally just took a step back and be like, all right, forget it. Like if I really do want to wheel and deal and trade a bunch of times, because, you know, I feel like I can get good, you know, players in return or more different players back that I want that I just, you just, you know, honestly, you can't get in the season because either on someone's team or they bid it, they put too much money down on them during the draft. And you just didn't have that money for them. Um, so I've actually looked at what people have done in the past and, got and acquired players that other people want just because I will feel like I could trade for the players that I actually do want, um, on their team. And, um, it was funny, me and PJ and Scott went golfing for the, uh, football draft, uh, last week or, you know, the other week. And PJ was just, you know, it wasn't complaining to us. He wasn't like bitching about it, but he just kept saying how he tried to trade everyone that was out of it, his older pitchers that are injured and how no one wanted them. Him saying that, I was like, oh, my God, that's me 
two years ago, trying to trade everyone, my guys that are either pinned, injured or a triple A guy or a young guy that's not doing so well. Like, you know, everyone's giving shit for Joe Adele right now. He was doing, I mean, he's been doing horrible up until like the last couple of days. You know, he just, he seems like he's kind of coming out of it right now. Um, but like what I could have got back for Joe and Dell if I wanted to trade Joe Adele, like now was like pennies on the dollar. Like what I think of the guy is going to be, you know, whatever, top 10 outfielder, maybe more better than that, you know, and I hope he is. But um, listening to PJ say that, I think PJ is going to start getting to find himself that people are not going to want his players. And I think that this is the first year, maybe if he does realize it, that he's either if he's going to want to trade players to make it to the playoffs or if he just wants to trade players in general, you have to sometimes get outside of the box. And that's kind of what you were saying, Dave, too, how you, you know, maybe, you know, doing a little bit differently, building your team for the next year. But um, well, and, it's interesting. And, and you're, you're a different type of player because um, you not only analyze the trades that you can make, you analyze the trades that um, you can make with other people to get them the player to get your player. And I don't think anybody mm-hmm. else really puts in that time and effort. And, and we've had conversations over the last couple of years, and that's made me realize that. Uh, and it, it's been a little bit of a joke, you know, where somebody's like, oh, uh, I can, I'll can, i trade you this player. And you'll be like, I don't, you don't have him on your team. But he's like, I can get him, right? It's a little bit of a joke. <laughs> but I don't doubt that that can't happen with you. And with PJ, I think the realization was, yeah, nobody wanted your players. I offered him Ryu for um, Verlander. And... He was like, nah, I've got other offers. Well, he didn't move Verlander. Um, I want to call PJ out. He's not even here, but he said no one offered him anything. uh, And he's taken anything. And Rayu's a good player. I would have done that. I would have done that. So after that, I offered him Ryu for uh, the Yankees pitcher. And he's like, well, I've got him and a couple other offers to other people. I was like, all right. And then after I thought about it, I was like, God damn, I'm glad he didn't take those offers. Uh, yeah. Because I wouldn't, I don't want the, the older guys that have to work their way back from these injuries. Maybe Verlander, whatever. Maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah, I yeah. see that. But the, the Tommy John guys, uh, no, I'm glad. And yeah. there's the reason why they're still sitting on his team. But I did offer him Ryu for a couple players. And I get it. He was, it's not, I'm not, it's not bad for PJ. Listen, PJ was talking to other people at that time. It was early in my sell-off process. So I'm sure he was trying to work trades to get rid of those guys. But I did offer him Ryu for Verlander. And I offered him Ryu for, uh, who's, who's the freaking Yankees pitcher that I can't remember? Severino. Severino. And both times he was like, well, no, he's supposed to come back. And then he, he can't, you know, I'm sure if I came back before I traded Ryu for um, the guy on the <laughs> the Rays um, that I'm happy I have right now that you said was horrible. Um, Meadows? Mad- uh, no, not Austin Meadows. The pitcher. The pitcher. Oh, I, I didn't say it was horrible. Not horrible, but you're like, you laugh. Any, anyways. It's yeah. That's why I I take everybody with a grain of salt because if you at this point don't understand that people overvalue, undervalue, don't care, love a player, 
And, and if you take it to heart and get upset about it, then you got issues at this point. You're going to have trouble in this league uh, because it's yeah. going to happen every sure. fucking time. Um, but all I'm saying is that th- there were offers for those players. I would rather take the potential, you know, upside of a player versus the potential of a guy who's old and has to heal himself and get back in there. Um, and when you really look at it, how many people have taken a guy from their triple A spot all the way through the whole contract? I don't think anybody has. That's what? a great question. <laughs> I don't I, think, yeah. I um, you either trade them, you need the value. I mean, you're out of it, and it's just like you get more value back. I, I think it's almost impossible. I, I would challenge anybody to say they've had a AAA or a four-year player all the way through their whole contract and re-signed so, off the franchise. Chris, 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 has, Chris has had a four-year I'm pretty sure. I, I, I could, I'd be willing to bet Chris has had a four-year player. I don't know about a triple-A player. Um, I know I had Miguel Cabrera for four years uh, when we first started doing this. On the first year of 2010, I, I want to say I had him for four years. Maybe I had him for three, but um, I, I don't know about a triple-A player. But that's a, that's, I'll have to look at that. That's a good one. I, I just – last I was going to say to it, and sorry, Dom, I know you want to probably say something too. Um, just just the, the way you were talking about it, how you were, like, looking at what PJ was doing that might change your mind. And then just going back to, you know, I'm not picking on PJ. There's other people. Like Sean, for example. He doesn't – excuse me. He, 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 re, he rarely gets AAA players, and he usually sells mm-hmm. his too. Um, I think if you don't open your – open up, you know, the – you know, think outside the box, if you will, or, you know, open up the doors every once in a while to, to see what's available for you in other areas, then you're just kind of putting yourself in a smaller box of people to trade with. And that if you're not willing to, you know, I don't know why PG didn't take where you, because I think I would have done that, you know, for Severino, definitely for Severino, because I like, he's not going to pitch me. At least I don't think he is. And now you get him on a buck, you're kind of just wasting that IL spot. But, um, just opening up, you know, allowing yourself different avenues and, you know, being more flexible um, for making a trade. But uh, yeah, good stuff. I'm sorry. No, I think Dave's, I think you guys are definitely right. Like last year, like not trying to get all the young guys, but trying to get those younger guys that are on the cusp or in that AAA spot. They're going to be, we're going to be coming up this year or guys that just came up year that are still struggling but have the potential and we're on long contracts or cheap contracts was what I was kind of doing and then like Dave said then you kind of use the draft to get the the more veteran guys the PJ Mm -hmm. guys the guys that are they're going to solidify your team so I think like you said there's no one way to do it but I think if you're going to go how Niz did it you're definitely going to have to do a lot of work for sure in the draft or in a yeah, make, especially make the most. Like I, I feel like Niz, if he want really is going to be in it, should take a two year approach to it, or he's really got to dig into the thing that I'll give PJ is the the patience and the the foresight on bidding on the right guys that match up his team that give him the ad- advantage to win that year. True. Good. It's good stuff. Good topic, Dave. And then we'll move on to uh, last week's uh, matchups. We'll start off with uh, Niz and Scott. It was nice of Niz to trade Scott, his team, and then Scott to watch Niz roll over. 
and die. But Scott still had a great week. 48 runs, 17 RBIs, 48 RBIs, three stolen bases, a 4.45 OBP, four saves, 49 Ks, a 3.86 ERA, a 1.26 whip, and five quality starts. Nez, 21 runs, eight homers, 15 runs, RBIs, one stolen base, a 3.55 OBP, one save, 41 Ks, a 5.48 ERA, a 1.55 whip, and two quality starts the whole week. I was just hoping Niz would get something and be able to at least like keep, a hit. Yes. Keep <laughs> do something, show some life and not let Scott get a title victory, but Scott got a title victory and moved himself sadly into first place. Yeah, it was just move on. Yes. <laughs> yes. The disgust of it. It really was like, we didn't even want to discuss it last week. We, we just jumped over it. We're like, this, what, what are you going to say? This is what we knew was going to come. And, we hope okay. to- guys, I'm sorry. I know it's not probably on topic, but just like a random question right now, just randomly. Who do you think might be like hosting next year? Who do you think is going to be the chump next year? Uh, Jim. Jim? Jim. Yeah. yeah Jim. It's, it's unfortunate that Jim's going to be saddled with Niz's horrible management of his team. Uh, I feel bad for Jim, um, but I welcome yeah. him and his uh, jockey that he'll have behind him at the draft. Maybe, <laughs> no. he'll, maybe he'll have Niz behind him. As, I was actually going to say this at the end of the season, like before the winter meetings, that we don't include Jim in this conversation. But what we do is we all have a poll and just say, like, Jim has to have the location or, you know, have to have the – he's going to be the – quote unquote, you know, like, you know, last person in the league, but maybe we all pitch him for the food. Um, and he does too, but he has to supply us with the the place to have it at because I feel bad. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be taking over a pretty shitty team that Niz put together for him. Um, yeah, it is. Unfortunate. Yeah. Nobody should be sad. It is. That. No, they, no, you're right. Yeah. That's a good, that's good. Dave. Yes. I like that. And we'll move on to you, Dave, the spoiler versus PJ. Uh, it was, it was nice to see you, uh, you know, Fight PJ and keep him quiet for the week. Um, I know you, you texted Saturday night. That it was the closest back and forth matchup you had in a long time. But for you, thirty-seven runs, fourteen homers, thirty-nine RBIs, seven stolen bases. How uh, many th- stolen bases? Seven. Holy shit! Uh, Three point three four five OBP, one save, sixty-seven Ks, a three point four one ERA. A 1.11 whip and seven quality starts. Outstanding there. And for PJ, 33 runs, seven homers, 21 RBIs, four stolen bases, a .347 OBP, five saves, 71 Ks, a 3.9 ERA, a 1.08 whip, and five quality starts. Dave, seven stolen bases, seven quality starts, 67 Ks. Uh, only to be outmatched by PJ, 71, but uh, offensive numbers, 37 runs, 14 homers, 39 RBIs, and seven stolen bases. That's that's you getting your, your trade work, work in there, buddy. Yeah, that's with – Seven quality not even doing much for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dave, you, the last three weeks, I mean, just – I mean, you've been you've been a, a force to been reckoned with. Yeah, I, I – I don't know. I hope it carries over to next year. You know, I have my plans on who I – and I've got AAA players that are going to come up. Um, 
you know, I'm excited about next year for sure. Like I, I've never been a stolen base guy. I've usually punted those. Uh, it's interesting to have six guys that can steal you stolen bases at any given time. Uh, I think that that's the 2020 uh, mentality from uh, you at the beginning of the year, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Um, yep. You know, I'm going to be looking for power and pitching coming into the draft is basically my goal. Uh, Cause I feel like, you know, on home runs, I, I can do even better. Um, but you know, it's streaky. It's baseball. I, I could suck again next year. We'll see what happens. But I think I had five, six and seven stolen bases the last three weeks. And uh, it's, it's nice to actually see, you know, having six or seven guys that can steal a base and still hit for average and maybe throw a few pops in there for home runs. And this is kind of off topic, but kind of, you know, we're talking about matchups here. It's nice to see Dave, uh, Ken, especially Mm -hmm. you guys are out of it. Essentially you're out of it, but you're still playing, uh, picking up players, you know, I mean, that's awesome. Um, And it's just, you know, made me think about that the other day. I'm like, is this, are they doing this just because of the shortened season that they're still like, has, they still have that itch. Football really hasn't completely started yet. And, you know, we, we have, you know, uh, we, we have gone through a long season where most of it, we weren't even playing. So um, I, I hope to see that this continues next year, that people are still playing as hard as Ken and Dave are uh, it, being out of it. And then still competing, you know, and I'm not saying Niz is not doing it or, you know, Chris isn't doing it, but, I, I don't know if they really are. <laughs> well, so. uh, let's put it this way. I, I have two leagues with you guys. Ken jinxed himself and said this, and I've said this before. I've never been a chump. I've sold off, but I've never been a chump. Uh, I don't want to be a chump. It's not that I don't mind having you guys over here, but I, I, I kind of enjoy not having ever been a chump in this league, even yeah. starting the, the season the way I did. I feel like I'm I can accept I can either chase again to try to make the playoffs miss it you know get third or fourth place five years in a row or whatever it is but that's not what I want I want to try to rebuild for next year come back in stronger and hopefully knock it out and I feel like I have a team right now that for the next two to three possibly four years if I play it right don't sell off um and and they do well, I'm, I'm going to compete. And that's kind of what I'm trying to build for is, is I, I want three years in a row. So. Nice. Nice. Well, you got it. You got a good start for it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll move on Thank to you. the next matchup. Uh, Gus versus Chris. Uh, Chris has been a little more active of late and we know Gus, he's been silent, but you know, he's, he's still looking running numbers. So a five, three victory for Gus. Uh, 40 runs, 12 homers, 37 RBIs, three stolen bases, a .366 OBP, two saves, 25 Ks, a 3.58 ERA, a 0.87 whip, and three quality starts for Chris. 37 runs, 14 homers, 38 RBIs, one stolen base, a .346 OBP, two saves, 59 Ks, a 5.04 ERA at one point. Three six whip and three quality starts. Chris and him both having solid numbers in the uh, runs, homers, and RBIs, and um, both of them are out of it. But um, it's like we said before: if Chris would have been a little more active, maybe he would have been one of the guys in it this week. 
Yeah, I, I was uh, looking back at Gus's team because I noticed that this week he had 27.2 innings pitched and he had a low ERA, uh, you know, not the lowest, but he had a low ERA, you know, well, kind of, I guess, but a really low whip. And he still had the three quality starts. He had two saves, only 25 strikeouts. I'm like, oh, has he always been doing that? Last week he had, um, where is it here? 23.2 innings pitched. He had only 23 strikeouts. He had an extra uh, crazy ERA. It was 4.18, but a low whip, 1.01, two quality starts. I'm like, all right. The week after that, though, and the, so basically the, the last two weeks he has done that. Then, you know, he goes back to where he's had a pretty high uh, innings pitch in the, like, 45 range, and his all his me- metrics were bad. Like, he had a 7.4 ERA, a 1.69 whip. Uh, the week before that, even he was uh, pretty bad too. Forty-five innings pitch, thirty-three strikeouts, bad whip, bad ERA, uh, one point two something whip, and uh, four and a half on the ERA. So um, it seemed like you know, I don't know, maybe it's a little too late, but Gus kind of was figuring out his pitching staff, or he sold away all his pitchers, and he's only been playing with like relievers, and you know, just you know, sitting guys and playing them. So, so- he's 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 playing the game too maddie let me let me chime in on that because um this is what i felt i learned from last year and I, I i don't think it's a secret but if you really analyze when you're selling off most of what you're taking back on the sell-off is offense because pitching is at such a premium um and if you look at like my staff and again it could be luck i'm not saying that i know any more than anybody else but the reason why I'm like jumping back in this or being very competitive is I've created a pitching staff of young players that are pitching well, and we'll see how they do going into next year. If I trade them off, if I can get some value and give somebody else value, but like pitching is tough. And the reason why somebody might be good at whiff is because they will go in and they'll get the relievers. Cause that's the only thing they can throw on their team right now to fill out the staff. Because he, tra- you know, you look at Gus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call Gus out. He traded off two good pitchers on two good contracts with Clevelinger and the, your guy from the uh, Dodgers um, that he gave you. Who, who's the guy in the Dodgers? Bellinger. There? Bellinger. Uh, not Bellinger. No, no, no. The pitcher. No, Bueller. 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 There you go. Bueller. Uh, two contracts that I think. If you ask Gus a year from now, I don't know why he did that. Yes. Exactly. You, you, you know where I'm going with this. Gus, I'm not – this is inexperience. I'm not saying that you're bad. This is inexperience. You don't give up those two players on those contracts because pitching is so hard to come by, and it's such a value in this season throughout the whole season. So that's the only reason why I feel like I I am where I'm at right now. I'm very confident because last year when I redid my team coming into the season, my pitching was nowhere near this. It was the same exact thing Gus Gus was dealing with. So him selling off those two players, I think is going to be a major mistake. Um, and he'll learn that. I don't think he knew that. He's looking at money and not, I think, value. I know you don't like that name uh, or that, that word, but the value of those two contracts, I think you and I, all three of us know, that was huge. And he shouldn't have done those trades. Agreed. Agreed. All right. We'll move on to the next matchup. The Jester versus Kenny. Uh, 7-3 victory for Max. 
40 runs, 14 homers, 33 RBIs, 6 stolen bases, a .353 OBP, 3 saves, 92 Ks, 4.25 ERA, a 1.42 whip, and 5 quality starts. For Kenny, 33 runs, 6 homers, 36 uh, RBIs, 3 stolen bases, a .291 OBP, 2 saves, 55 Ks, a 2.86 ERA, a 1.13 whip, and three quality starts max. All right, we'll start off uh, with Max versus Ken, a 7-3 victory for Max. Max, 40 runs, 14 homers, 33 RBIs, six stolen bases, a .353 OBP, three saves, 92 Ks, a 4.2 Five ERA, a 1.42 whip, and five quality starts. For Ken, 33 runs, six homers, 36 RBIs, three stolen bases, a .291 OBP, two saves, 55 Ks, a 2.86 ERA, a 1.13 whip, and three quality starts. Max, I know he was worried on Monday uh, with his start, but he had 40 runs, 14 homers, six stolen bases, uh, 92 Ks, and five quality starts. And a 7-3 victory for him. 92 Ks is fucking ridiculous. Oh, no shit. With 65 and two-thirds of an inning? That's insane. That is that is crazy. What the I fuck? know. I, I was looking at that, too. That, and, and he only got five quality starts out of that. I mean, not that that's a very good correlation to whatever it is. But, yeah, nine uh, bonkers. That's all I got to say is bonkers. And, actually, I – uh highlighted this wrong. Uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll say, you know, kudos for Ken. Uh, you know, buying, selling off. This is, I think, the most active I've ever seen him in, in baseball. Um, so it, it, it's really cool to see that. Uh, again, not a, not a shot at you. It, it's just uh, to see a try, you fail, you got to sell off, and, and to – to do what you did. Kudos to you, uh, Ken. It's much appreciated. And, you know, Dave, what you were saying, how pitching is so valuable just in general. And even, you know, people typically will buy pitching um, or trade pitching. You know, if, like, you know, Max is in it, so he's going to try to get some pitching from people. Or I'm in it. I'm going to try to get pitching from people. Um, I really thought, thought that this year was the year that you could zig when everyone else is zagging. Um, or however you, however you want to say it. I just, mm-hmm. I didn't really go for the pitching that much. And I know Don and Max did. And, you know, I'm literally cherry picking stats when I do this, but Max had 92 Ks, you know, this week, you know, he had a lot of pitchers going yet. He only had 14 home runs, which is not crazy. You know, he had more than me and 33 RBIs. And, you know, there's other people that just had more. Same thing with Dom. Dom had eight home runs and 23 RBIs and Dom's riddled with, um, injuries and again like i'm saying i'm just cherry pitch picking this particular week and these particular stats but i've seen it a lot throughout the year that pitching's not everything and everyone is trying to get it and essentially instead of you know we're fighting over you know k's and you know quality starts and quality starts in the sixes and you know fives and strikeouts in the 90s it just it's just a different different type of year so but uh, 92 strikeouts, so it's chill. That, yeah, I, that's got to be pretty damn close to a record. I, I, <laughs> getting up to 100 is 
maybe is crazy. And and off of what was it, sixty five innings? What was his whip in ERA? I'm sorry, I don't want to touch my phone and get disconnected. So, yeah, it was actually a lot. Like his whip was um, four point. No, his ERA was four point two five, and yep. his whip was one point four two. And that's that is a lot. That's that's huge. And that just goes to show it's just like, you know, some people chase strikeouts. Strikeouts don't mean anything because uh, it takes a lot to get those strikeouts typically. So it's it, very interesting. Ninety two. Uh, impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. All right. We'll move on to my surprising win matchup over Memo, a seven three victory, which was definitely needed after Scotty. Uh, 10-0 victory, uh, 36 runs for me, 8 homers, 23 RBIs, 7 stolen bases, uh, .381 OBP, 2 saves, 66 Ks, a 2.28 ERA, a 1.1 whip, and 5 quality starts for me. Uh, for Memo, 30 runs, 10 homers, 39 RBIs, 2 stolen bases, a .322 OBP, Four saves, 50 Ks, 4.91 ERA, a 1.39 whip, and three quality starts. Um, I was I had a good Monday uh, with pitching, so I was able to stream some guys, which it didn't something could have helped me, but uh, would have had more Ks and more quality starts. But I knew I had that matchup; those categories kind of wrapped up. So I just wanted to make sure I had the ERA and whip. So I kind of played a little safer than I should have, but uh, again, I, I knew I had those. And then, you know, offensively, like good runs, okay on R- on homers, horrible on uh, RBIs, and great on stolen base. I had seven, just like Dave. So, but I also had the second amount, lowest amount of hits uh, at bats compared to everyone. Niz was the only person lower than me. Uh, everyone else had over at least two hundred. Gus was the next at 205. So if I had another 14, another almost 20 more at bats, I, you know, I would have maybe numbers like everyone else. Yeah, two things, Dad. One, tell your mom to be quiet. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and um, I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, so you you sat some of your pitchers, huh? Cause you, I mean, your hitters, because you wanted to have a no. – I was sitting um, oh, pitching. No. Oh, you, so you just had that low RBI total. I see. Yes. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I, it's, I think it's absolutely hysterical is that we had PG on two weeks ago, and he kind of, like, talked about how, how great he is and how wonderful he is. And the next week, uh, or the week that, you know, the, the, we were t- the next week, yeah, the next week. The next bombed, two weeks. Well, yeah, the next two weeks, but then he bombed, he lost, and then we had Memo on last week, and he no, he didn't sit there and talk about how great he was and everything, but you know he did say, "Yo, I'm in, I'm in first place," blah blah, and then you just destroyed him. <laughs> just, just, but he, I mean, he did call the loss. Memo called the he did, loss. He, he did call the loss, but still, it was like, you know, um, I don't know. I, I I've been looking at the last couple of weeks and even seeing Max's team kind of rise a little bit. Dom's team is definitely he's been in it, you know, in the playoffs for the last couple of weeks. It's the cream has been rising to the top, and I know it's been a short season, but uh, I mean, well, even Scotty, like he's he's got a good team. He, his team is rising to the top. I'm not to say PJ and Memo don't have good teams, but I think you know some of the teams that we thought were going to be in it, and you know Dom, Max, Scotty, 
they're they're either in it or very close to still being. Well, and then the team, that, yeah. my team. Look at me; I'm in second place the entire season. Uh, I'll say this about like with Memo calling that he's you have a gut feeling on your team, right? And you, whether you want to admit to it or not, week to week, if you're good or not, and Memo Memo spoke honestly, I think about his team and. I think also too yeah. part of that is he really did not improve himself coming out of the trades. Most of his trades were just kind of ho hum, uh, didn't really pay off too much. Um, you know, even he said he is building. He's he kept his team intact. I offered him some stuff for his players, his AAA players, because honestly, I, I his AAA players are all right. You know, I, I, I and they could get better. 100%, but I didn't value or want to give him any more than what I thought they were worth, and he he wouldn't take you know, he valued him higher, I valued him lower, so it's just like Memo really didn't try to push to get better players and I don't know if he could have, because there wasn't a lot there in my opinion um, he obviously likes his players, but you know, the reason why he still has all his AAA players is because I would only give him a closer or something for him. Uh, that's how, yeah. That's how I viewed him. So, well, I, I think he he kind of said on the podcast too, and I, I don't know if it was that or just talking to him, but he was saying how he, he liked the way his team was built and it got him this far, so he didn't want to change it too much. I mean, I'm I'm you know I'm paraphrasing there. I'm not like you know. That's not like verbatim no, no, what he it, said, it, it, but that's kind of that. That's kind of what I got out of it, and it, and also that he liked his AAA staff and he wanted to keep it, so he was valued kind of high. So right, um, and I, but yeah, I agree with all that. It, it, it's right, and whether he's right or wrong, we'll we'll only know in a, another year. Or so. Correct. So I, I get it. It's just like with me again. I, I'm I'm trying to build for a three or four year situation but do i get desperate next year because i'm in it and i can sell off and you know you look at scotty gave up trevor story you know to me so you don't know until you get into that position at that time during the year so it's going to be interesting to see what happens but could memo have done something to win this year or is he gonna cross his fingers and hope for next year i feel max kind of might have done the same thing and I understand why he kept his guys. There's a reason why everybody wanted his guys. Um, so, like, looking at the trades and, and that, that talk that I was involved in and where certain players are rising and falling, I, I kind of find it interesting looking at it from that perspective. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the last matchup of the week. Maddie versus fucking Sean. A 5-4 victory for Maddie. <laughs> Over fucking Sean. Uh, for Maddie, 37 runs, 11 homers, 34 RBIs, four stolen bases, a .321 OBP, four saves, 65 Ks, a 3.73 ERA, a 1.33 whip, and two quality starts. For fucking Sean, 45 runs, 19 homers, 38 RBIs, one stolen base, um, 0.348 OBP, one save, 56 Ks, a 5.36 ERA, 1.47 whip, and two quality starts. Go ahead, buddy. Let, let it out. Like I, his guys, like Hoskins went off. LeMahieu comes back from the IL and just, hey, I'm going to hit two home runs, four RBIs, and, you know, five runs. Didn't have a good OBP, but whatever. So, no. 
had a couple home runs for him. Swanson does this thing that he does every other week, you know, essentially just goes off. Um, uh, just I, not even that, not every day. He just, Swanson's just a good player overall, top 42 player. You, bet, um, you better you know, respect Meyer, him finally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. You know, did his Marte thing. Um, Yaz for, I mean, Sean picking up this guy. I mean, this guy's OBP is insane. He's his average is almost 300. I think he's got a, like a, almost a, he's got a 380 OBP. Kyle Lewis. I mean, Hey, not to say anything. I know he didn't play him every day, but he had a home run for him. Freaking Will Smith, two dingers. K- Seager, the guy you traded for him down. He has two home runs, six RBIs. I mean, the last day, yesterday, he went off. He had two guys playing in the Dodgers-Colorado game. I had two guys. My, he had Corey Seager, and he had uh, Will Smith. And then I had um, Blackman and who would I have? And Muncie, all right? And Hanson. I had three guys. If you would have said someone, hit, someone had those three guys and someone had these two guys, and then you gave the stats – who did what? You would say it probably was my guys. Nope, it was his guys. Yeah, but Hampson's uh, one of your guys, so we would have guessed Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna add last week Hampson went five, three, four, one and uh three seventy five OVP, but uh I mean everyone on his team went off. It just it was crazy and I couldn't even like just couldn't even catch up. He had eighteen home runs, 30, he had a, uh, his hitting had a had a great week. Pitching staff, not so much, but again, you know. He's not really in it, so it is what it is. But uh, I'm glad. I'm honestly, I'm glad I got out with a five four. Uh, there was a time I think on Sunday morning I was looking at it and I was like, or Sunday afternoon, and I was five three, and I was like, ooh. But then, nah, it just didn't happen. So, but oh well. All right, we will move on to this week's matchups. Um, as of now, we'll start off with Dave the spoiler versus Niz. Uh, right now, Dave's got a six nothing victory, and I'm sure Niz's side isn't going to change much. Um, I got uh, before we everything started. I have uh, Dave with 11 starts, starting pitchers, and Niz with 11 starts. But uh, we know what's going to happen here. Uh, I got Dave winning eight to one and tying saves. The fuck? I picked up two saves, two save guys this week. I got. Ten nothing against those donkeys. He's running out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second donkey reference we've gotten. Uh, ten nothing, uh, Dom. What did you say? Uh, eight to one, Dave. Yeah, I I, I had like I, I had eight to two. I, I'll, I'll give it eight to one too. I mean, I think Miz is gonna win something. I'm sorry, Dave. I just fuck that. <laughs> we, we know we all got you winning big so you know me we know you kid we know you your track record on fan tracks is incredible can't wait for next year on that fuck yeah all right we'll move on to uncle memo versus chris right now memo's got a five to three lead on chris um this is one where i'm rooting for chris uh they both have um eight quality uh, starting pitchers this week. Um, I actually have Chris with a five-four win over Memo with the tying quality quality starts. So I was looking at their stolen bases over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Memo had two this week, and I know Chris only had like I think uh, one. Yeah, one. So I could kind of see him tying in that. Um, maybe they 
high quality star. I mean, uh, saves. So I actually went four four. Uh, just make it weird. I got five four and one memo. All right, very close. All right, uh, the big one of the bigger matchups here. We got Scotty versus PJ. I'm surprised we're not knowing about it right now. PJ's got a eight one lead over Scotty as of now. Uh, they both have. 11 starting pitchers this week. Um, I actually have them with a 5-5 tie this week. Have you seen this matchup so far? I just clicked on it right now. Peach's got four home runs and six RBIs. Scott has two home runs, but 11 RBIs. And they're both in the, like, 500 OBP range. It's sickening. I mean, it's the first game. I mean, I, I got a couple guys that are hurt, and I, I have, like, two teams or two players aren't playing, so it's, I guess, a little different from what I'm looking at. But, I mean, come on. McNeil's got three home Freeman, Contreras, Gallo all have two. Buxton freaking hit a home run for him. This is going to be insane. This this is going to be a good one. And then PJ, he has one save, 18 strikeouts already with a 2.86 ERA and a one whip with two quality starts already. Already? Yep. Oh, my God. Sickening. Um, I originally was going to say 6-4. Scotty, I'm, I don't know. Uh, 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 I'm going to go 5-5-2, five, five, I think. I'm going to go – because I feel like PJ's favorite artist and song is Adele. Hello from the outside. <laughs> Six four, losing again, third week in a row. Just the you know had had all the opportunity to do it, couldn't pull off the trades to be relevant at the end uh, with his old decrepit misfit island players. So six four, Scotty. All right, we'll move on to the next matchup. Uh, two teams are pretty much out of it. We have Gus and Sean. Uh, fucking Sean. We have Gus with a 5-3 victory uh, lead right now. Uh, Sean, both of them have nine quality starts starters this week. I got Gus with a 6-4 victory. I'll go Sean 7-3. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> move on. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to mine and Kenny. Um, I right now I got a nine-zero lead on him. I got thirteen starters this week. He's got ten. Uh, I want to say I'm going to win this eight to one, but Kenny's active and he's doesn't go down quietly. So I'm probably going to be closer to six to four victory for me this week. But I should win this. But he's he's not going to go away. He's like a bad case of herpes that just keeps flaring up. So I've heard when, Look when Ken goes down, he goes down loudly. Um, so yeah. uh, he'll make a lot of choking noises, but I think he's going to be done. Uh, I think I'm going to go 6-4 down. Yeah, I, I might even go higher. I mean, you could not – you you could stop. Just don't pitch anybody else. I think you might beat him in ERA, whip, and quality starts. It's insane. You're – your ERA is lower than your whip, so. But he'll, he'll uh, smoke you one. really good. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you say, what did you say Dom? He said he'll smoke. Dave said he'll smoke your meat very well. I said absolutely. No. I, what did you? What was your prediction of your score? Um, <laughs> eight to one. <laughs> All right. 
All right, we'll move cool. on to the last one, the big matchup here, uh, the one that Max needs. Max needs least to beat you seven to three. He least needs to win, beat you by four to jump, uh, to get ahead of you in the standings. Uh, Max has got ten starting pitchers this week. You got eight as of now. You got a three-two lead on him. Um, I'm thinking Max. I like Max this week, but only six to four. For him, uh, six to four max. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think it could be a five five. I might give myself the edge to be honest. You know, maybe a five four for victory for me. So, uh, but I think it could even swing the other way where he gets a five four victory. I I see. I feel like it's gonna be close. I'm not 100 percent sure. Just a gut feeling, I guess. So, somewhere it. it I would either say I win by one, he wins by one, or it's a tie. So five five, I guess I would say. I think this is the this the week the preseason predictions finally come true. I think Max finally realizes his potential. He becomes the queen and the king becomes the jester. <laughs> and I think it's gonna be a seven three. Nah. Seven, two, and one max win for make him feel good finally for this year. Wow, that would knock me out of the playoffs, I think. I think they would. For. <laughs> nice. All right, we'll move on to our beers of the week. Dave, what are your beers of the week for you? Uh, I'm only going to do one. Uh, it's it's one that you actually had uh, uh, at uh, Niz's house, the – the stout that you had there, you're like that. I, I think I can put this one down. Um, it's made by a Canadian company called Collective Arts, and they collectively brew with a lot of different companies. Their dark beers are amazing, so it's it's seasonal. Um, this one was done with Southern Grist, which I visited when I was in uh, Nashville. So Collective Arts, Southern Grist, it's called All Things. It's a milk stout brewed with banana, chocolate, pistachio, vanilla, cardamom and cream so it's basically a uh kind of a Jeez, yeah kitchen sink uh, it, it's awesome the banana comes through on this one a lot of companies say they have banana in it and it just doesn't come through uh it's really well done it is a dessert beer it's it's really tasty um so that is my my beer of the week collective arts check them out anything that they do dark is amazing all right maddie What's your, what do you got? So I don't got a beer just because I've been drinking a lot of beers, uh, mainly old Milwaukee's, of course. But uh, I, I had a, a, a nice sipping uh, barrel, uh, single barrel uh, vintage, uh, Evan Williams. Evan Williams, one of my favorite brands of uh, bourbon. Uh, and then they got this uh, single barrel. And if you can find a vintage, basically, it's a, a, um, this one was uh, put, it was from 2011. Um Really good stuff. Uh, won multiple awards. It's actually one of the – they actually write on it, the barrel uh, – b- when it was barreled on, the barrel number and the bottle date. Um, so this was barreled on one five eleven. So uh, January 5th, 2011. And then uh, that's when it was barreled on. And then it was bottled on 10-29-2019. So it sat nice. in the barrel from one five two thousand eleven. 1029-2019. That's how long it said in the barrel. So this is some good shit. Um, 
and uh, I really do enjoy this stuff. So anytime you can find a single barrel though, you know, you know, whiskey drinkers or bourbon drinkers out there, I always grab, grab a, grab a, um, grab one. Cause it's going to have such a distinct flavor from, you know, some of the other stuff. Cause a lot of times they'll, they'll be, you know, if you go and buy a, a whiskey off the shelf or bourbon, what they do is they take a bunch of different barrels and they kind of, you know, mix them all together. So they get that taste that they want. But this single barrel is just one barrel that they got that they chose to take from. And this is it. There's nothing else in this bottle. So uh, it's just something that you won't taste, you know, ever again, unless you get the same barrel, which is, this is barrel one, four, four, five. So you'd have to find that, but uh, it'd be even interesting to, to find two different barrels and see what the taste different profiles are, so, but uh, good stuff. So I, I, I'd really like, it's interesting. I'd like to learn more about bourbon and whiskey. So maybe uh, if we actually get to do the, uh, the, the bourbon trailer or whatever that we were going to do this year, I would love, yeah, bourbon trip. Yeah, I would love like a month ahead of time, maybe to do like a tasting to prepare for yeah. the trail so I can be more educated. So I really appreciate what you said there. And, you know, nice. it reflects on my beer knowledge and how they age beer. Um, so I know you and Niz are super, you know, much more into that. So I would love to do a, a night where we kind of maybe seek out some bourbons i'll talk to you hey dave find this this thing and bring it in and we all do a little tasting beforehand yeah definitely yeah. that'd be fun i definitely be on board i'm not a big barrel uh whiskey uh bourbon guy so mm -hmm. uh, i definitely would need some knowledge so uh yeah i want, I want to appreciate it exactly i just don't want to you know just be taste stuff and not know why i'm tasting it um my beer of the week is from Noon Whistle. I got the Papaya Gummy Vortex uh, Northeast Indian Pale Ale. It is tasty. Dave had it. We had it when we went that night. It is tasty. Uh, it's you got the papaya. It's hazy. It's juicy. It is something that we would you I like, and something I'm pretty sure you would like, buddy. So uh, well balanced though too. Still yes, tastes like yes. a beer. Yes, it's definitely not nice. like over hoppy. Balance, like Dave said, but uh, it definitely has the nice balance. It isn't really crazy sweet from the papaya, but it has enough, and it's nice and hazy and juicy. So definitely, well done by them. They've been doing a really good job. Other than their recall, which I tried going today, but they were closed. So I guess I got to go again this week and go visit them again. So that's not the worst thing in the world. Not a bad thing. No, absolutely. All right, some closing thoughts, Dave, before we wrap it up. Uh, again, always enjoy being on. Thank you for having me on. Uh, hope I didn't get too long winded sometimes tonight. Um, but yeah, uh, always fun. Uh, looking forward to the bourbon thing and, uh, probably my last time on, cause I don't think I'll be relevant after this week, but, uh, maybe we'll do a podcast before the winter meetings or after. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you coming on. And, uh, I know you always enjoy talking baseball, so appreciate that. Uh, Maddie, any of the last thoughts? Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Dave. You always spit some good knowledge at us. And I think, you know, I don't know why we had so much trouble today. Uh, I wasn't messing with my phone, but we just did. So, uh, sorry for that. And thanks for, uh, sticking with it guys. Uh, no, it's been a, you know, crazy year. We got one more week of the regular season. And then we go into the playoffs and it'll be done. So, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward. I'm excited. Very cool. Absolutely. Uh, thanks again for dealing with everything, Maddie, tonight. 
and you combining everything and making it. So I look forward to listening to it to tomorrow during the day. And then again, Dave, thanks for coming on. And uh, it's going to be a fun week. Uh, last week of the regular season, six of us fighting for two fun, uh, for four spots. So it's going to be interesting. And hopefully uh, I'm in it. You're in it, buddy. And the other two. So until then, you stay safe and stay classy, Chicago baseball. <laughs>